As a strong, independent mother, there is nothing that will get in the way of your child's safety. Soberlink understands the importance of peace of mind when it comes to co-parenting after a divorce. Using the highest quality technology and with features like facial recognition and real-time results, moms like you are empowered with proof that your child is safe. Navigating life post-divorce can be difficult, and having a tool like Soberlink allows for one less thing to stress about. I created this community to provide support for divorced moms like me, which is why I partnered with Soberlink to create this resource, Tips for Single Moms Returning to Work. To access the guide and get $50 off your Soberlink device, visit www.soberlink.com forward slash M-M-O. This week on Moms Moving On. High conflict people have a pattern of high conflict behavior. And high conflict behavior is blaming without taking any responsibility. It's emotional, it's intensely emotional. One reasonable parent can have a huge impact on a child, even if they're dealing with an unreasonable parent. Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle Dempsey-Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Moms Moving On. I'm so glad you're here. Today, we're talking about all things high conflict. And if you're listening to this, chances are you are either divorcing or have divorced and are trying to co-parent somebody who is pretty high conflict. Well, we have nobody better for this conversation. We have Bill Eddy, who's a licensed clinical social worker and a lawyer, and he is the co-founder and chief innovation officer of the High Conflict Institute. He pioneered the high conflict personality theory and has become an expert on managing disputes involving people with high conflict personalities. He's the author of many books, many of which you're going to be very excited to get your hands on. And I'm so happy that we have Bill here with us tonight. Thanks for being here, Bill. Thank you, Michelle. I'm so glad to be on with you. When our our paths, you know, finally crossed, I said it's about time because it seems that in the work that I do, obviously in the work that you do, high conflict is more prevalent than not. We are dealing with so many people who are making communicating after divorce far more difficult than it needs to be. Yes, we're seeing so much more negativity, blaming, just disruption, and it's it's people not taking responsibility. People not taking and responsibility. So and that makes it real hard to solve problems with them. Absolutely. And you obviously have done this work and really made it your passion. But I'm I'm interested to know when and how you blended your social work career with being an attorney and where you fell into this high conflict world. Well, it really started with my interest in being a mediator, because I really like to help people resolve conflicts. I should tell you, in the 1970s, I was a kindergarten teacher, and I worked with kids and their parents. In the 80s, I became a clinical social worker, so I was doing child and family counseling. But I really liked mediating 
disputes, including legal issues. And I was a volunteer mediator at a community mediation center. And I said, I really want to do this. And the people doing mediation were mostly lawyers. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go to law school and I'm going to do mediation. Well, then in law school, I realized I should practice family law for two years in court. So I know what I'm talking about Mm -hmm. when I say, try to mediate your case. Well, when I got to court, after a dozen years as a counselor, I was like, whoa, a lot of the people in family court had personality disorders, like I worked with as a counselor. And, but no one knew that and talked about it. They'd say, why are they fighting over this? And I'd say, because people with personality disorders fight over everything. And you solve something, they're going to fight over something new. They mm-hmm. just think in win-lose terms. And so I started telling the lawyers and judges and counselors, you know, what's going on in family court, a lot of it is, is mental health problems that aren't recognized. And in family court, they were called high-conflict families. And I said, that's not fair because a lot of those families don't have two high-conflict parents. There's one high-conflict parent, and the other parent's pretty reasonable trying to cope. So you got to be careful. You don't just say the whole family's high-conflict. Right. And so it, it was hard to persuade people, and I sat down and wrote a book, and that's what started to get people's attention. So that's how I got into the high-conflict world. Well, I'm happier in it, although... I don't know, you know, <laughs> how you can take a step back and find peace in your day, because I know how taxing it can be to work with high conflict individuals, but you've put out some great information. You've put out some great books. I want to talk about first your book, The Biff Method, because yeah. that's that's essentially how I found you. And I think what we need as moms moving on is a strategy. And The Biff Method is exactly that. Yes. So, so BIF just stands for brief, informative, friendly, and firm. And I realized about 15 years ago, actually, I developed this in 2007. So 14 years ago, I was giving a seminar. And actually, a couple, two family law judges were there, two women judges. And they said, what are we going to do about these horrible emails? And I said, well, they have to be brief. And they should just have information, no arguments, opinions, that just escalates. And they should have a friendly tone. Even if you get a hostile email, respond with a friendly tone because emotions are contagious and you want to spread positive instead of escalating the negative. And so the judge said, oh, so brief, informative, friendly, that's Biff. They said, well, if you had another F, you'll have Biff, the name. And I said, that's easy. It needs to be firm. It needs to end the hostile conversation. And so Biff was born. (laughs) And that's actually in the introduction to the book, Biff for Co-Parent Communication. Well, and what's great about it is you can really apply it to anything in your life. It doesn't have to just be about co-parenting because I find, at least for me personally, I struggle 
in high conflict situations in general, which is why co-parenting with a high conflict personality is so difficult. But if you, if you are somebody who has trouble with that in your marriage or after your marriage, you likely have trouble with it in the workplace or with friends or with family. And that's why I think it's so important to just understand that you can communicate in a way that shuts down all conflict. Yeah. How and, you- and I use it a lot for myself. I'm sure. Uh, people, in the high conflict field, people attack me and they say, you don't know what you're talking about. And that's a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned I can respond with a BIF response that says, you know, thank you for letting me know your concerns and here's some useful information. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have and a great day. Slam the laptop. It saves so much energy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, everybody's emotions are high after a divorce. You start co-parenting. For women, it's a completely unnatural feeling to have to hand over your children to somebody you're no longer with. So how do we know if somebody's just mad and upset or somebody is actually a high conflict person? And why would we need to communicate differently with them? So high conflict people have a pattern of high conflict behavior. And high conflict behavior is blaming without taking any responsibility. It's emotional, it's intensely emotional. All the emotions that most people spend emotional energy reflecting on yourself, like what's my problem here? What should I do different? High conflict people don't put any energy into that. It's all you, you, you. And so it it can be intense and that really catches people off guard. So a lot of all or nothing thinking and extreme behaviors. It is very intense. And as people on the receiving end of it, yes, we not only need a strategy, but where it really bleeds into is in our parenting. And when our children see the difference in the dynamic between the two parents and how one communicates versus how the other communicates. And that's where I think many parents struggle because they want to teach their children to stand up for themselves and not take any, you know, crap from anybody else. But at the same time, you don't want to raise somebody who is also high conflict. So what do you do in that situation? Yeah. Well, what we suggest is really teaching them what we call the four big skills for life, which are flexible thinking, managed emotions, moderate behavior, and checking yourself instead of checking everybody else. And I don't know if you want me to fit in about another book here that yes, has a throw it all in there. Okay. So I have a book called Don't Alienate the Kids. Here's what this looks like. And in the back of it, I have that article that explains teaching your child the four big skills as part of everyday life. So you're not teaching it about the other parent, you're teaching about it as skills for life. And so when you're at a store and somebody's starting to yell at the clerk or something like that, you can say to your child, you know, he's not managing his emotions very well, is he? Right. Or when, when they're trying to decide something or a friend said, I can't be your friend anymore because I want to be so-and-so's friend. Well, they're using all or nothing thinking, Johnny. That's not good. You know, we like to use flexible thinking. You can have more than one friend. You can have more than one best friend. Mm-hmm. 
So teaching it matter-of-factly as part of daily life makes them more alert to, if they have a parent that loses their temper a lot or is very blaming, they'll go, oh, that's not, you know, dad's not using one of the four big skills. Um, instead of saying, mom says you're doing the wrong thing, dad, it's like, oh, they make the own, their own connection. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a way to really avoid bad-mouthing the other parent, but giving your child skills for resilience, which really are big skills for life. I love that. And I think the more we can teach our children to not reject the parent who is high conflict, but accept that all personalities and people are different, everybody handles life differently, the more adaptable they'll be later on down the road. Yeah. And so BIF is a way of doing managed emotions and moderate behavior. And so for parents to show, I'm going to sit down and write a reasonable response to this outrageous email I got. Well, they don't have to tell the child they got an outrageous email, but just they can tell the child, oh, I need to write um, uh, a reasonable email. I don't know if you want to use that word, but I need to respond to your father, um, and I want to think it through, something like that. That's really helpful for kids to see. Yeah. Um, I I know there are plenty of people who say you don't want your children to be exposed to any of this, but very often they're going to be exposed when there's a high-conflict person. And so I love that you you are sharing tips on how to sort of let them know what's happening without letting it affect them and, and using it as a teaching tool. Yes, exactly. And, and parents, you know, one reasonable parent can have a huge impact on a child, even if they're dealing with an unreasonable parent. I think we need to like, that needs to be broadcasted all over the place right now, because <laughs> that is, that is what I preach. I, I was myself raised by one very reasonable, reasonable parent and one personality disorder parent. And, you know, my mom to this day, I'm like, mom, how did you never bash him? How did you keep like insisting I go spend my weekends with him? And she said, because if I were good and if I was good and I kept setting the right example, I knew eventually you'd see what was what. And I think it's so important that, that moms really hear that. So say it again, one reasonable parent. One reasonable parent can raise raise a reasonable, happy child, even if there's an unreasonable parent as well. I don't think you understand how meaningful that, that sentence will be to so many of our listeners. Wait, 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 wait. Before we do anything, I have to ask, have you not joined the Moms Moving On membership community yet? This is the place I created for anybody looking for the benefits of coaching without having to commit to a high coaching fee. I've rounded up my go-to experts to put together curated content just for you, including free monthly webinars with me, self-confidence boosters, co-parenting tips and strategies, heartbreak advice, divorce anxiety relief, legal advice from top U.S. attorneys and mediators, financial advice, eBooks to help you on your journey, journal prompts and worksheets, discounts for all my favorite brands. The list goes on and on and on. And all of this at only $9.99 a month. 
Yep, you heard that right, $9.99 a month to be connected to women all over the world who are going through exactly what you're going through and to connect with me. Go to momsmovingon.com slash become a member and join us today. I want to talk about something else because we know dealing with high conflict people is tough, but there was a video I watched of you where you describe toxic people as waging emotional warfare on others. And that really struck a chord with me because I've experienced it. I've experienced the pull of, you know, this toxic person trying to control your life from afar and, and how much it hurts you emotionally. So can you speak to that that video a bit and that that sort of language that you use, I think is so strong. Yeah, well, in, in many ways, the, the high conflict emotions or toxic emotions are like a virus and they're contagious. So you feel inside what's coming at you and you feel it inside. Emotions are contagious. I guess that's what I want to emphasize. So when somebody attacks you, you don't like that, of course, but inside part of you starts attacking yourself. And, and in a sense, mirroring what's happening to you. And until you consciously override that, um, you're going to feel awful. And part of what we try to teach people is to give yourself encouraging statements that will help you kind of block out the emotional message. Things like, it's not about me. I'm not responsible for that person's outcome. Uh, those types of statements. So it's it's the it's the poison in a sense. Yeah, um, it is, it's poison. It really is. Yeah. And and I'm working with women who are just at the beginning stages of dealing with this poison from afar. And they'll say to yeah. me, Michelle, I did all this work to leave this marriage, and I feel like I I might as well still be married. And it's I think I mean I'm four and a half years out. It took me a good two years to realize that that person's emotions were no longer my responsibility. Yes, and I think it's often two years. And that's what I try to tell people is this is this gets better. But right now, you know, often when you separate is when things escalate rather than calming down, especially with a high conflict person. Depending on their personality, they may feel abandoned and go into an abandonment rage, or they may feel a narcissistic injury and go into a narcissistic rage, or they may have more antisocial traits, which means a lack of remorse and caring, and they'll, they wanna dominate. And, or and they, you, they have all three, and you really have a party there. But say that again? Or, or they have all three traits. Narcissistic oh, yes. abandonment, yeah. <laughs> yep, sounds like my consultation client situations. And so, yeah, and so it's, they, they're not restrained. And that's the thing people need to understand. They're not emotionally restrained. It's pouring out of them. Most people, the, the way we get along really as human beings is we all restrain ourselves a bit. They call it civility or self-discipline, et cetera. And high conflict people seem to lack those restraints and that's hard for us because our emotions are so tied to each other. I mean, human beings are amazingly 
able to communicate with people we don't know, people far away, look at Zoom and all of that. This is so much complex emotions that you don't want to mess with that with like a surge, like a like an electric, uh, you know, surge. Mm-hmm. In fact, I wrote an article once. I said we all have surge protectors. We protect each other from our most intense emotions. But if you get somebody in the mix who doesn't have a surge protector, it's going to you know electrocute everybody. Absolutely. <laughs> and so understanding people are dealing with that. First of all, it's not their fault because there's nothing you could do that would make somebody yell and scream and act all that way. It's just not appropriate. It's their lack of restraint rather than your behavior. And, and I think that's so important. That is so important. And I think as women, we become, we're natural nurturers and caregivers. So we, we take it upon ourselves to fix how people feel And when you're dealing with this cycle of sort of emotional abuse in a marriage and you leave and now all of a sudden you have to tell yourself like how he feels is not my responsibility. There's a big sort of untangling that has to go on there. But that two year mark definitely is where I started to feel a little bit stronger in my conviction to just not respond or recite the parenting plan, um, which always works wonders. But we talked about the BIF method and how to answer high conflict texts or emails. Now, what happens when we have to have a conversation? You have a new book for this. A new book, and it's just coming out right now. And it's called Calming Upset People with EAR. And EAR is statements that show empathy, attention, and respect. And this is verbal. So on the phone, by Zoom, in person, and someone's getting upset is to give them an ear statement. So you might say something like, yeah, I feel frustrated by that too. So that's empathy. You know, someone says, I'm worried about Janie's uh, math at school. And you can say, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about that too. And that calms the person. It's like, oh, we're going to address this issue, figure out what to do. It's emotional validation. And it's important, again, another skill you can use everywhere in your life. Yes. The thing is, don't give them back anger. So if they're really angry, don't say, I hear you're really angry with me. What you want to do is see if you can guess what's underneath. I hear you're worried about Janie's math skills or something. Or I, I hear that you were hurt when so-and-so didn't call you back. And this is very calming to people because they feel like instead of we're against each other, we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea is, you know, high conflict people turn things into win-lose discussions. Oh, yes. And you don't need that. We need win-win discussions. And Ear statements are a way to calm a win-lose situation and turn it into a win Well, I'm excited for this book. When does it come out? It comes out August 24th. But August people can 24th. pre-order it now. Yes, it's available Please. for pre-order. And I, I was lucky enough to, to look at it. And um, I think it's a type of thing that they should basically just hand to you with your divorce papers. Like, congratulations, <laughs> your divorce. Please, please communicate in this way. 
And a lot of women will say to me, and I'm sure you've heard this before, why do I have to work so hard on communicating? Like it feels like a full-time job to communicate or deal with or co-parent with a high conflict person. Yeah. And I, my why is my child. And I say, the only reason why you, you have to do it this way is because you're raising little people together. Yeah. Well, I would add to that, it'll make your own life easier mm-hmm. because when you, when you meet anger with anger, high conflict people escalate and give you more anger, and that's more stressful and doesn't solve the problem. Now you're, we've heard more ne- negative words that you're going to mull over and that bother you. So instead, in your statement, really simple, brief, is a way to calm down the other person and somewhat neutralize that negative energy. So you show them some empathy, or you say, I'll pay attention, tell me more, I wanna understand your point of view on this. Or you say, I respect um, something, because that's the R. And what's interesting is, especially with narcissists and, and people with antisocial traits, they really like the word respect. And so I, That's I remember really consulting. Yeah, I remember consulting with one very high-profile woman who was going through a divorce and trying to manage the rocky road for the benefit of the child. And after she explained his behavior, I said, "Well, he's going to need to hear the word respect. So if you can find, like, I respect your relationship with our daughter." or I respect your time with our daughter, and I hope you'll respect my time, or things like that. And she said, you know, a week or two later, she says, whenever I use the word respect, he calms down. It's like, it's, it's like a bone. <laughs> yeah, it really is. I've seen it. And I've, I've, you know, I've been the person who says, why should I be so kind and respectful and, and giving and nurturing, you know, in my communication? And it really does pay off. But I want to ask yeah. you, in your experience, because you've had a lot more than me, do you ever see a taming of this high conflict person? You know, it it's really depends where they are on the spectrum of high conflict. Most people, if they have a personality disorder, then it means they have a repeated pattern of behavior that basically doesn't change. So what you see today, what you see a year from now, what you see 10 years from now is probably going to look a lot alike. As I get older, people say, well, you know, older people, maybe maybe their personality disorders fade with time. And I say, that's not what I see. I see them be the same with time. Some maybe get a teeny bit better, but I've seen just as many get a teeny bit worse. So personality disorders are very stable over time. However, the way you manage the relationship gives you over time more distance. And I think that's like after two years, you start, you know better how to manage the relationship, when to engage, when to disengage. So my experience is people looking back after a tumultuous couple of years can see, okay, I know that I'm going to be hearing BS from him sometime this year. I don't know what it'll be about and when it'll be, but it's not going to bother me like it used mm-hmm. to. Yep. And I think that's the goal. I And I truly believe it can't pull you in unless you allow it to. And yeah. something I've worked with 
personally and, and with my clients is the notion of just because somebody says something doesn't make it true. Just because somebody threatens something doesn't mean it's going to happen. And I very often have to repeat that to myself because yeah. it's the only way to really put up the separation mentally between what the high conflict person is spewing at you and what's actually going to happen because of it. Yes, absolutely. This is about them, not about you. Mm-hmm. And when when they're really blaming, you know that it's their lack of restraint. It's not evaluating you. It's not like someone sat down to do an objective analysis of your personality. Somebody's angry and they're projecting whatever they can onto you. But the example I like to give is, let's say you have a five-year-old and your five-year-old says, you're a bad mommy. Well, they're not judging you and all your skills and qualities as a mommy. You're not letting them have ice cream right now. Right. And that's what it's about. It's about ice cream. It's not about who you are. <laughs> yeah. And, and really hurt people hurt people. So whether it's your child yeah. who's hurting over the ice cream or your ex-spouse with all of their unhealed stuff and their personality disorder, it I feel everybody acts and behaves based on who they are internally. And it's it, it's a beautiful day when you can wake up and realize that your ex-spouse does not have the ability to ruin the rest of your life. Right, right. And that's such an important message. I'm glad you're giving that to moms. You know what? You have, <laughs> We live and we learn, right, Bill? Yep, that's it, exactly. And so now, we need... I have to ask, have you been divorced in your life? No. Amazing. I had a significant 12-year relationship, but we weren't married. And it was a a fairly amicable separation. And then I've been married now for 35 years. Wow, good for Um, you. Well, that's because you know how to communicate. (laughs) (laughs) And I I married a social worker, so we we have a lot of the same training. but I, I, I think that each of us, because we got, we got together um, in, in our, well, I don't want to say how old I am, but. <laughs> you don't have to. But we got together in our 30s and both had learned a lot already. And in a way, we're more mature than each of us were in our 20s. And I like to tell people, look, it, it's not too late in your 30s to meet somebody that may work out really well for the next 35 years. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, I think using these kind of skills. But I got into this really as a social worker, working with clients and seeing what they were going through. And so I, and I learned from them. I thank my clients all the time for teaching me things. I feel um, the same way. Yeah. I think yeah. I think there's there's so many ways in which we can grow ourselves from seeing the way other people do things, whether good or bad. And I love everything you've you've put out there into the world. I think is so helpful. It is so hard to be a parent and deal with you know constant high conflict toxicity. And so any anything helps. But you're giving so much. Well, thank you. We really like you know. There's all these tools, and I'm. I just keep trying to learn and add to my toolbox and then share it. And most of what we teach is really simple, but it takes some practice. So that's with Biff, with ear statements, with all of that. 
But the thing is for people to know it's possible and that things can be really good when you learn this type of stuff and you're around other people practicing this type of good communication. Yeah. Which we all deserve. We all deserve. We deserve to be able to set boundaries that set the standard for how we're going to be communicated with because while we may not change how they communicate, we can always change how it affects us. So I love it. Right. And our emotions are also contagious. So you don't have to absorb theirs, put out what you want them to feel. And sometimes that starts to take effect. Absolutely. I really, I, I appreciate you. And I'm so glad that we finally got together and did this. I will be linking all of your books in the show notes and on social media, but the most uh, recent book, the one that comes out later this month in August is Calming Upset People with EAR, How Statements Showing Empathy, Attention, and Respect Can Quickly Diffuse a Conflict. Ladies and gentlemen, please get your hands on that. And please feel free to do a little Googling on Bill Eddy. He's been everywhere. He's spoken all over the world. He's been a, a keynote speaker and trainer in over 30 states and 10 countries. He's on Psychology Today, if you're a blog reader like me, so check him out. Bill, am I missing anything? Where else can people connect with you? Just uh, come to highconflictinstitute.com. We've got lots of free articles um, and videos, books, consultation, just lots of resources. We have something for no cost, a little bit bigger cost. So we try to make it accessible to everybody. Much appreciated. That'll be linked too. And for everybody listening, don't give up the good fight. You can make it work with a high conflict ex-spouse. It's not going to take over the rest of your life. It's just going to take a little bit of work to get there. Thank you so much for listening and be in touch. I love hearing from you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.